Welcome to the You Are Loved podcast. My name is Liv Downing. I'm a psychologist and meditation teacher. And my vision for this podcast is to provide all of us with different access points to this sense of coming home, this sense of, of connection and belonging. You Are Loved is the title of my forthcoming children's book, which will be released at some point in the future, hopefully in 2022, but we'll see. And in it, I really explore the possibility that that sense of love and connection is always available to us. And then I offer meditation as a way for us to experience that. I also know that meditation is not necessarily for everybody. So over these series of podcast interviews, I'm wanting to provide different ways for all of us to, to come home, to sense this feeling of being loved, no matter what wonderful life throws at us. So thank you so much for joining me and my beautiful guests. And I look forward to sharing this series with you. I am just thrilled to be introducing Carrie to you guys today. So we cover a lot in this interview, in this discussion, and really the key takeaways are really around the actual application of mindfulness and being clear on our values and how we can apply that into our life and how it can really enrich our sense of connection to ourselves other people and the world as a whole. So we explore the concept of psychological flexibility and which is really around how we experience our psychology, so our thoughts and our emotions and therefore our behaviours. Carrie shares with us some wonderful practical tools. So um, the couple that are in, in the discussion are the hands as thoughts exercise, which you'll learn, as well as the fantasy speech, which sounds interesting. And, you know, really the key takeaway for me from this very enlightening session with Kaz was really around how our values are not necessarily outcome based. You know, I think when we when we think about the concept values, we think that it's how we should be living outside, externally, or the kind of behaviours we expect from other people. But from an acceptance and commitment therapy perspective or from an ACT perspective, while it's important to be clear on who we want to spend time with and the environment we want to work within, the boundaries we want to set, our real power lies in our own adherence to our own value system. So it's really more about that internal alignment because the truth of the matter is really that's all we have full control over. And so then this sense of internal alignment builds this solid and secure relationship with ourselves. My favourite quote from the whole interview is this. This is such good news. The one thing that really matters, which is how we show up, how we connect to ourselves, how we connect to others in the world is the one thing we always have complete control over. So I hope that you enjoy this discussion with the wonderful Dr. Carrie Haywood. I certainly got a lot out of it and I hope you do too. Welcome, Dr. Carrie Haywood. Thank you, Liz. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us. So out everybody out there, Kaz and I have known each other pretty much our whole lives, interestingly. So I was best friends with her sister at primary school, would you believe? And then um, our lives have come back together as we're in similar professions and we live in similar areas and our kids are similar ages. And I have always admired, Kaz, your commitment to acceptance and commitment therapy. 
And I was really excited about this chat with you because I have dabbled with acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT uh, in my own personal practice and my own life, but I really wanted to grab this opportunity to share, um, you know, more about this particular technique and theories and application and, and to hear from you because we can read books, but it's always lovely to hear from a real live human. So I'd love to just start by asking, how is it that, um, would you, first of all, would you say that ACT is your primary kind of therapeutic discipline? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I was first trained in ACT um, in 2007-ish, roughly. Um, so just as I was graduating from my degree. And so in, in that regard, <laughs> there probably wasn't a lot of room for other, other therapeutic approaches to come into play um, because I was, I was trained in it from, yeah, the very, very beginning of my career. And look, it, it, it's an approach that it does um, often take a little bit of training to really connect to. So if I reflect on my experience with it, it was probably, you know, a good couple of workshops and training sessions before I really felt like I got it. But obviously it really spoke to me from day one. And I think probably the reason why is because of its essence and what it's really about. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and tell us more about that. Tell us more about the core kind of the philosophies. Yeah, actually, the it's a mindfulness based therapy, and when when I say mindfulness based, what's really important to clarify there is we're not necessarily talking about meditation, which um, as you and I often talk about, um, those two are still very much confused. So when you say the word mindfulness, a lot of people still jump to meditation and mm-hmm. and that's what we're talking about but you can certainly be practicing an act process or experience without meditating uh, meditation rather can come into it but mm. it and what a relief I mean how cool to have a practical application mm. of mindfulness that doesn't require us to sit and watch yeah. our breath and yeah. feel our body because that can be really limiting for a lot of us yeah look absolutely so when we say mindfulness uh, particularly in, in an act paradigm we're talking about really that that ability to be consciously aware so really paying attention to the moment on purpose and in particular what's coming up for ourselves internally and when we say internally we're talking about our emotional experience but also what we're um, experiencing at a thought level cognitively and so we're bringing real active awareness to that in the moment and then that really gives us choice and so what we're essentially um, doing in ACT is bringing that more mindful approach to our internal experience in the moment Mm which helps us to change our relationship with how we might be feeling or thinking Mm. and having that difference in how we're relating to our thoughts and feelings, as I said, can give us space and therefore give us choice. And we then ultimately have access to how we want to show up in the moment rather than what our thoughts and feelings are necessarily telling us to do. And then uh, showing up our behavioural response becomes connected to what we call our core values, uh, which, as I said, is essentially the person we want to be. So that's kind of ACT in a a nutshell, yeah. And I have to say it's the practical application of ACT that I have really loved. Mm. And as you and I have spoken about over the years, you know, mindfulness is amazing. You know how much it's transformed my life and helped me develop my relationship with myself. But what I think 
it's missing is mm. that that behavioural component. Yeah. So what does that mean? What do we do with this awareness? Exactly. Where do we put that? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you're 100% right because so much of the mindfulness movement is is about the, the noticing and observing and the acceptance piece, absolutely, um, which has to come first. You know, that that is the first experience to, to then be able to um, have any flexibility. And when I say flexibility, that is one of the core things that we're building in ACT, which is what we call psychological flexibility, which, as I said, really is to have more flexibility in how we experience our psychology. Mm. I, I was just going to say, rather than um, being automatically fused and reactive from our thoughts and feelings, the flexibility around it, as I said, gives us choice. And we're constantly assessing, you know, is, is how I'm reacting and engaging with my psychology and engaging with the world, is that allowing me to live a rich and meaningful life, and which, as I said, is really informed by our values and, and being really connected and conscious with those values. Mm. Yeah. And so, and I love the values component and at the same time it's really hard for many of us to work out what on earth our values are. Very good. You know, and, and, and especially especially within the, the workplace, you know, we have these values like integrity and authenticity and teamwork up on the wall, but what do they mean? And, and so tell, give me some hints on how we as individuals and then maybe within a work context, we can work out what on earth our values are. Yeah, yeah, it's such a good point, Liv. And and I actually even struggle with the word values because it's such an another sort of overused term. Oh, we're talking about values, and you know, yes, it is often coming up in the workplace, and and it's often spoken about differently in our everyday as well. In and what I mean by that, and and you actually just um, uh, sort of pointed to that then when you said the word integrity or or I can't remember the other ones you said but but often what we do is we frame them in a way that's outcome based and so often we'll say you know I value integrity or I value honesty or I value um, friendship or whatever it might be but when we when we term it and phrase it that way it's, it's outcome based and and then that can actually lead to a struggle for us if the world and what's going on for us in our lives is not fulfilling that at an outcome level. Mm. So if I'm in a relationship where that person's not behaving with integrity or, or trust or respect or whatever it might be, then of course, naturally, I'm going to struggle with that. But if our attention is on the outcome of that, rather than the behaviour of that for ourselves, then that's where the real struggle and distress lies. So in ACT, we're talking primarily about values from a behavioural level. So it's about how I want to behave with integrity, how I want to behave with respect, um, because that's, A, what we've got full control over. Mm. And B, is what forms a really solid and secure relationship with ourselves, which actually helps us to deal when with when the world doesn't give us that oh that is a piece of gold dr carrie haywood because i i I don't remember a whole lot from university but one thing i do remember is that in order for relationships to be successful we must have aligned values there needs to be but then with that it kind of can set us up for a little bit of a challenge because I love what you're saying about we're looking at that outcome in other people, 
but we can't control that. Mm. So, so how, how do we manage that? You know, because I do know from my experience, both personally and professionally, that if my values are misaligned with somebody, that relationship is likely to be less effective. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. so I guess is this is the process identifying what it is for me. Mm-hmm. Take me through the process. Mm-hmm. So look, look, you're right. And, and obviously a relationship is going to be um, more healthy and is going to be more compatible and thrive if our values are generally aligned. And look, you know, more often than not, they are. You know, If we look at very sort of core values like kindness and respect and um, all, the, and, you know, trust and honesty and all that, most people would say that that's important to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So so most of the time, you know, there will be enough alignment there when we are actually looking at what's core for, for the other person and ourselves. But what we really want to keep bringing it back to is, is how that's, that's playing out in a moment. So even though another person, whether that be a partner or a colleague or a friend, even though they also might have the value of being um, honest and and being respectful, we can't guarantee them behaving that in that moment. No. And as I said, because we we're not we you know are not perfect at living that ourselves every moment. And there's a whole reason for that, which we we can go into. But fundamentally, that's our humanness. And when we're not mindful of our psychology, that actually causes us to to react away from our values. Okay, so just like that happens for us, that happens for other people. And so this approach is firstly recognizing that, okay, mm-hmm. and recognizing well, if my attention is is fixed exclusively on the other person's behavior, and I'm not getting what I need there then we are in, in a real, you know, world of, of lack of control and struggle there. And so we want to be able to, as I said, bring our attention back to, well, how do I want to show up in this moment? And then what we can do is this beautiful thing of being able to separate in this moment how I'm feeling about what the world is giving me or not giving me or what another person is giving me or not giving me versus how I feel about myself Mm. and if we have attention attention rather on how I'm being in that moment and therefore a solid and secure sense of self of me in that moment as I said that's what anchors us yeah in being able to deal with what might be going wrong outside yeah I love that you've used the word anchor because it, it becomes our foundation doesn't it and for so many of us we we kind of that's that question who am I you know what am I here for what's my purpose and and if we can uncover those values as guideposts and um and really let that ground us and you know as you know the theme of this podcast is connection belonging and it really sounds like act is a is a beautiful pathway to bringing us home bringing us and then we can respond to the world regardless of what it throws us Mm -hmm. with that wisdom and kindness a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. so how I'm interested to know from an ACT perspective, and I guess because it's an individual therapy, it's, it's, it's been developed for the individual, but how can we apply it out in the world? You know, mm-hmm. yes, it's about our internal psychology and how we manage ourselves and our insight and, and, and bringing that choice to our responses. Mm-hmm. And then how can we kind of apply that awareness 
out into the world as far as maybe applying for a job or finding a life partner or the way we parent or so Mm -hmm. I guess it's the I'm asking about the application of that insight so and it's really I guess with with what we just spoke about with well whatever we are um, facing or experiencing or you know whatever context or role we're we're finding ourselves in in any moment it's really coming back to that. Okay, well, how do I want to show up in this moment? How do I want to show up in that job interview? How do I want to show up on that first date that I might be having? And really being connected to that, which allows us to, as I said, feel a a sense of control in that moment. This is what I actually can control. I have no idea what questions I'm going to be asked in that job interview. I have no idea how that's going to go. I have no idea what this this, you know, person that I'm, I'm meeting for the first time is going to be like and there can be a lot of anxiety that comes, yes. comes up and, and, I mean, that is the, the essence of anxiety and it's, it's, it's why we struggle so much as human beings on an anxiety level because, again, so much of our focus is on the external and the outcome and what could happen and what could go wrong. And we know in, intellectually and rationally that we can't fully control that, yet our mind still tries really hard to do something. <laughs> the mind just doesn't quite get that. It just wants, it wants to have that certainty. It wants to have that control. So it focuses and focuses and worries and worries about outcome, 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 outcome. So what this approach allows us to do is firstly recognise that problematic anxiety is when our attention is out there mm-hmm. and, and needing that outcome to be a certain way. Um, worrying about what could happen and bring our attention back to, okay, well, if I just focus on how I show up in whatever I'm presented with, even if things don't go the way that I hope for, how do I feel about what I did? Yeah. And that ultimately, as you said, then comes down to how do I feel about me as a person? Yeah. And it's not because that is, is it, it's not in the, in the sense that we're being kind of self-focused in that way. It's, as I said, finding a groundedness and anchor of, well, this is actually what I can control and this is actually also what allows for me to have meaning yeah. in whatever happens in my life. Yeah. Because turn it around, we can have a job interview go well um, in the sense of, you know, I get the job and we can have the date go well in the sense of this being the person of my dreams, okay? <laughs> All right. But if I'm not connected to who I want to be in that moment and conscious about that, then we don't feel, feel and experience the full meaning of that. There can still be a lot of anxiety and, and yeah, worry and, and, and even, you know, dissatisfaction in, because we're losing that connection to self. Yeah. What, what, a, beautiful, um, what a beautiful explanation of it. Okay. And I love that you use the word meaning, which I guess is, you know, one of the key um, things that are missing in the world at the moment. You know, the research tells us that global levels of loneliness are the highest they've ever been and the definition of connection or lack of loneliness is meaningful connection. It's that is meaningful relationships and actually having, finding meaning and, and whether that connection is meaning within ourselves, yeah. meaning within our job, meaning within our relationships. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because 
with the with the loneliness um, experience that you're describing, you know, where we're pretty well aware of, and and I'm sure what you're referring to there is not just people who are single and are not in relationships or not, you know, don't have children or whatever. There are plenty of people in long-term relationships with families around them that are lonely. Yeah. And so what does that tell us? Yeah. It's not other people that's no. <laughs> it's connection. It's and, and and connection has to start with the connection to self. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And so I'd love to hear from you, Kaz, some um, some practical techniques, so some tools that you share with your clients, um, some ACT, you know, specific tools for perhaps working with thoughts and emotions or um, maybe, you know, identifying who we want to be when we show up. Yeah, right, yeah. So this is an easy question because um, ACT is, is very experiential. It's a very experiential therapy. And, and what I mean by that is when we're sitting in the room, um, we try and learn and teach through our experience as much as possible rather than just chat, which I'm always challenging myself with because, as you can probably see, I could talk about this endlessly. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of chat, as we have talked about, a lot in our head. A lot in our head. It's the way we're trained. It's all right. We're retraining ourselves. <laughs> but, yeah, so ACT, you know, in terms of, of learning ACT and practising ACT, we're, we're um, equipped, if you like, with a lot of practical tools and techniques. And, and that's largely driven by metaphor as well. So we use a lot of metaphor in act to, to help really connect to these processes so a really really common one um, which is really helpful is what we call the hands as thoughts exercise and that's um, encouraging somebody to basically just hold their their two hands together sort of so your palms are sort of side by side basically and to just imagine that there that's our mind and everything that our mind does okay so that's all of our thinking and in particularly what we're really talking about there is our automatic thinking so this is the thinking that just comes up throughout our day very involuntarily we don't have control over that okay so this is the thinking and then it's it's inviting somebody to then slowly lift their hands that are held together to rest against their face and so that it's flat against their face and then it's to imagine that everything in front of them, beyond their hands, is, is their life, you know. So, so out here, beyond their hands, is their life. It's what matters to them, okay. It's their loved ones. It's the task they have in front of them. It's their, you know, the place where they really enjoy visiting. It's, it's their life. It's everything that really matters to them in front of them. And it's getting them to really experience what it's like to be behind these hands, the curtain, the screen of these hands, which we imagine as our thoughts, and to really kind of experience what that's like to live behind this screen of thinking that ultimately disconnects us from what is in our life. And, again, in that moment, we always want to bring it to the moment, okay? Um, and that is essentially what we experience throughout our day because we know we're in our head, in our thinking, at least 50% of the time, 50% of our waking hours, we're in this screen of thought, okay? And it's pretty hard to then fully connect to what is in front of us when we're in this thinking. Mm. And so then we encourage 
the person to experience what it's like to then slowly peel the hands away from their face, okay? And so anyone can do this right now and just, you know, imagine just getting a little bit of distance from the hands, okay? And then seeing what it's like to experience that moment and what matters to us in front of us with a little bit of distance. Wow, I can even feel that now. It's just the, the thing that happened for me was just this space opened up. Yes, wonderful. Like all the lights came back on. All the lights came on. I just, I, I felt like I had options. Yeah, great. Love it, love it. But the important thing to recognise about it is what we're doing there is we're noticing our thoughts and by noticing our thoughts, we can't be in them. We can't be in them and notice them at the same time. So if we're noticing our thoughts as thoughts, We've got a little bit of distance and space, as you said, okay? A nice way to think about it is that we unhook. We can unhook from our thinking. Mm. But unhooking from doesn't mean getting rid of. No. Doesn't mean pushing the thoughts away. We would love to be able to do that, but we know we can't. If we could, we would. (laughs) (laughs) What we can do is we can notice them as thoughts, which give us some space, allows us to unhook, which, as you said, I love that you said it gave you options, gave yeah. you choice, yeah. gave you flexibility, which yeah. is what we're wanting to experience there, yeah. um, to then bring your attention elsewhere. Yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of people I work with will often actually do that with their hands throughout their day, you That's know, good. or when they're lying in bed and they can't sleep at night because their mind's so busy. They will actually practice, you know, holding their hands together, yep. putting it flat against their face, meant, you know, picturing those hands as, as to all being all the thoughts that they're, they're really fused with in that moment yep. and then to experience themselves just unhooking from those hands. And it can be a really helpful way to, to do what we call diffuse from that thinking. Mm. Yeah. I love, um, you know, I think definitely in my own mindfulness practice, and, I, and as you know, I came through it more the meditation route than the, the pure mindfulness route. And I, um, that was my key learning. That continues to be my key learning that I am not my thoughts. Right. And what a beautiful practical tool to be able to give people to help them identify and really experience that. And so I have a follow-up question. Um, and that question is, how do we know which thoughts to pay attention to and which thoughts to let go? Very good question. Very good question because the mind's very good at convincing us to pay attention to all thoughts. Everything, all the thousands of thoughts. <laughs> so um, there is a general question, a really powerful question we can always ask ourselves in terms of that, and that is basically how helpful is this thinking to me right now? Mm-hmm. And the two kind of key parts to that are the helpfulness And what we're wanting to do there is step out of is it true or false or right or wrong because that's what the mind is trying to to basically draw conclusion around, okay. The mind likes, as we know, certainty and and things fully explained and and problem solved, okay. So it wants to, that's what, you know, again, what we're doing when we're worrying, the mind's trying to work out whether that could really happen. Is that true, that worry? And so we want to step out of because that we just can't have certainty around that. And, and so we want to more be in this space of helpfulness mm. and in particular right now. Yeah. So I'll often use the example that, you know, at 3 a.m. in the morning, a worry of am I going to be able to 
oh, I don't know, I get that work task done in time, okay? That might be helpful. That worry might be helpful at 10 a.m. the next morning. When I'm at work, I can actually do something, but it's not helpful at 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. When there's very little we can do. And so then what do we do at 3 a.m. in the morning when the thought is going round and round and round and bumping off all the sides of our mind? Yeah. So then then we can basically say to ourselves, well, can I actually do anything about it in this moment? Is there any control? And and often at 3 a.m. in the morning, the most we can do is maybe write ourselves a quick note, you know, if there's a note beside our bed or even tap something into the phone as a kind of reminder. And, And that's actually a really helpful process because, that action like our mind feels like we're actioning it by putting it down on paper the mind's like oh okay I've I've given it some attention I've actioned it to some degree and often the mind is satisfied with that Mm. I can so relate to that I remember when I used to have trouble sleeping and I still sometimes do but but when I was younger I actually I had a notepad next to my bed and I would write down my worries and my thoughts and I had this sense that they were safe there on the paper, that, that they didn't need to stay in my mind anymore. They were safe. They would be attended to when the time was right. Yeah. And I, I'm thrilled to hear that there's, it's actually a technique. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> it's one of those typical things like, you know, to-do list is another one that's obviously very highly related that we just, we minimise, we trivialise, and they are actually so powerful in that so way. So powerful. Because it's all about the mind going, oh, yeah, you've done something. Okay. Yeah. The mind, as much as the mind likes things completed, it doesn't often need it to be completed. It just wants it to be given some attention. And doesn't that bring us into the body? You know, it's that action component of this work that, that we can think and we can talk. And as you said, ACT is a very um, experiential therapeutic technique and then a very applicable in our life and for me as a psychologist I was very much trained about thoughts and emotions I didn't really know if even I had a body until I started meditating I, I for me it was something to you know to Take please attention. other people and to put skinny jeans on that was all those skinny jeans aren't cool anymore <laughs> um and so I love that action component mm. that, that you talk about and that yeah. application component which brings me to my next question. I would love to hear, you know, obviously you and I in this in this world um, of supporting people on their well-being journey, we pick up lots of tips for our own life. And, you know, it was for me in my mindfulness journey, it was really seeing the the benefits that this technique was having for my clients in a therapeutic setting that prompted me to maybe work on some of my anxiety. Uh, you know, with yeah. within a mindfulness perspective. So I'm interested to hear from you, how has ACT been infused within your life? How how have you welcomed or invited it in as a technique? I love that, welcomed and invited. Beautiful way to, to describe it. Um, so, look, gosh, it, it's hard for it not to, to come out, <laughs> you know, in just my life in the sense of I guess just to start with to answer that question, what I um, feel so lucky and, and fortunate to experience is because I am teaching this and sharing this and connecting to this with, with clients, you know, most days of my life, I am actually, it, it's, it's, it's my connection to it, you know. So it, it, it's just so inherent in, in and, and, and when I say inherent, it, what's, I guess what's really important to clarify about that 
And often people will ask, you know, does it ever just become quite natural? And it can't ever be natural because it's a conscious practice. Okay, so it will never be automatic. And, and what we're, we're doing is, is, is practicing consciousness in response to what is automatic, which is our hard wiring, which is our humanness. So, but it does become more accessible. It does get kind of easier to access when we're practicing it more. Um, and so where it shows up for me is I, I think the most powerful practice or process in act that I really connect to and, and, and you shared that yourself Liv, just earlier is, is the values piece and really what I connect to and come back to as much as I can throughout my day is am I being the person I want to be and often I'm not even clear on what values that might be relevant to that moment um, I then connect to just what my gut's telling me. Mm. Exactly. Which is the body then, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, and once we are, once we've paused and we bring broad awareness to that moment, it's like that allows us to go underneath all that emotional stuff and all that thought stuff to just trust that intuition of, yeah, this doesn't feel quite right in how I just reacted then. Mm. And that might be a reaction at a behavioural level and it might be a reaction at a thought level. Mm. Okay, so what we're, the real powerful work is, is is not even just connecting to our values with our overt behaviours, but connecting to our values in what I call our internal behaviours. Okay, and so where I love to catch myself <laughs> is when, my mind may have been automatically judgmental about something and my intuition, my gut tells me that that doesn't sit well with me. That's that icky feeling of, oh, I didn't like that thought that just popped up. And without judgment, because that's our humanness, I didn't choose that thought. If I had choice, I probably would choose not to have it. <laughs> if I'm feeling icky about it, that tells me that doesn't actually align with who I am at core. So the ickiness is actually telling us a lot about who we are. Information. And, mm. and, and to be honest, this is the challenge that I have found within the positive thinking movement that, you know, I find that I'm all for leaning into joy and cultivating gratitude and all of that beautifulness. Mm. But where do we put those icky feelings if all we're doing is band-aiding over them with yes. happy thoughts? Yes, that's a good point. Yeah. And this is where ACT really does differ from a lot of other therapeutic approaches in that it's not about getting rid of those unwanted internal experiences. It's mm. not about what we classically have been trained to do as psychologists, which is sort of that symptom reduction kind of work. Yeah. And, and that can be quite different for people in that, you know, what do you mean I'm actually needing to just allow those anxiety feelings and allow that, that sadness or that anger even, that discomfort, and even allow those thoughts that I don't want, okay? Yeah. So it's quite a different response there, absolutely. But how we do allow that and, and, and get more comfortable with allowing that is by firstly recognising that, as I said, it is our humanness mm. that brings up all of these internal reactions, okay? So therefore, A, we don't have full control over it, 
and B, it's very normal. <laughs> okay, it's very normal. Yeah. Um, and then that allows us to go, okay, well, if I'm feeling icky in response to that, then that actually tells me I'm not essentially those thoughts or feelings. Yeah. So can I just let them be there? And bring my internal behaviours, which is what I really mean by that, is just where our attention is. Yeah. Simply where our attention is. And then our overt behaviours, how we're showing up to be value aligned, who I want to be, even with those thoughts and feelings. Even with. Mm -hmm. This is what I love about this technique. And I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the outcomes that might happen as a result of that quite organically is a sense of connection and compassion for and with ourselves, which we can then extend out to the world and and know that that person sitting next to us on the bus or, um, you know, at work, they have Mm. pain too that, Mm. you know, that that can and and it might support those amazing barriers we build Mm. between ourselves and other to just dissipate a little bit, similar to the the hand um, activity you just shared with us. Can we let that barrier break down between us and the other and realize it's that shared humanity which is where compassion yeah exactly exactly such a such a powerful and important technique to to get out into the world and you're doing that through some books that you're talking about tell us about the books um so books have been a, a quite a long journey which I started doing um that was my last maternity leave um which had probably been brewing for a while. This is about four years ago now, actually. And um, I really wanted to create something, a piece of writing that could be very quick and simple, easy to read, um, that had sort of, I guess, a a powerful way of of teaching a lot of these processes. Um, For people who might be you know accessing this directly so seeing a a psychologist or or wanting just to do some reading on this but also for anyone um so that was actually one of the primary intentions was how could I teach a lot of this in in a way that anybody might just happen to pick up Um, And, again, it's using a lot of the way that ACT is taught and shared, which is through metaphor, um, through storytelling, through, you know, connecting yourself to that experience, I guess. Um, So they're they're a collection of short stories and um, each story focuses a little bit more directly on a particular ACT process. Um, and yeah, the first one's about to, it's literally on a truck right now, <laughs> coming from Queensland, um, arriving in my hands, hopefully, um, within three or four days. And um, yeah, and then it'll be, it'll be there. And, um, and remind us what it's called. So this first story is called The Woman Who Lost the Sun. Um, and the series is called The Being Human series. And how can we learn more about them? How can we purchase them? Yes, through my website, which is carriehayward.com, I think. <laughs> I'll pop a link. I'll make sure there's a link um, to yeah. your website on the show notes. <laughs> Otherwise, it'll be available through um, all your online retail, so your Amazon's book depository and um, through the publisher as well, which is Ocean and Rave Publishing. 
Okay. Oh, fantastic. Kaz, thank you for doing that for us, for the world. And I look forward to reading it myself or reading them myself and then sharing it with my clients and with, with other people. Are there any other um, practical act tips and tricks that you think you, that the audience might like to um, take away with them? Hmm. Um, I guess what's coming to mind is, is when you asked earlier about that, you, you um, spoke about or, or asked about values in particular and, and we kind of got, got diverted, <laughs> as happens. Um, but I think what you're asking there is, well, how do you know what your own values are? So an exercise I do very regularly, you know, almost always uh, with clients, is by you know, helping them to tap into what their core personal values are is to think about somebody making a speech about them. Okay, so I often get someone to imagine that it's their next birthday and they might be having some sort of celebration and I get them to think about somebody making a speech about them, so somebody obviously close to them, but to imagine what they ideally would love this person to say about them and the key thing there is the ideally. Okay, so it becomes the fantasy speech, even kind of thinking that this could be your ideal eulogy. Yeah. that you get to hear while you're still alive. Yeah. And it's really just coming up with words, descriptive words, qualities about who I would love to be seen as, as a human being, okay, because how I want somebody to see me is a window into how I want to see myself, mm. okay. It's very interesting because what always comes up for people when they do this exercise are those those values, those those adjectives, those you know those qualities that we just don't give attention to throughout our day, and instead our wiring is so distorted and fixated on what's going on internally for us and what's going on in the world, you know, in that moment beyond our control. And so again, it's it's helping people to bring those values to their moment. Mm. and recognising, wow, isn't that wonderful, that really what the essence of what I want to be remembered for as a human being are the things that I can control. Mm. How important is that in this modern world when we're all so busy and as we have, um, you know, insight into the, the world of social media and all the Instagram posts with all people living their fabulous lives, mm-hmm. it's so grounding as you said, to really, and, and you know, th- that eulogy thing is, is quite confronting uh-huh. yeah, and, yeah. And, and gives us that real perspective of what mm-hmm. is really important. I love that quote, I um, can't remember who it's by, but the quote is, the most important thing is to remember the most important thing. Yeah. I just think, yeah. oh, what is the most important thing in this moment? Yeah, I know. And as I said, we're just so, and I mean, that that cliche is thrown around of, oh, live live every day like it's your last day. And what's really meant by that? And and often when we think about that, we sort of automatically jump to, oh, I have to do all these amazing things and I have to do everything on my bucket list and I have to, you know, achieve as much as I can. When those things weren't what came up in your eulogy. No. Okay, what came up in your eulogy was not what you did, but how you showed up as a person. Yeah. So those are about how, 
not what. Mm. So what we don't have full control over because we can't go, you know, skydiving and traveling the world in a single day. Okay. So yeah, those things are wonderful. You know, they give us joy and the good feelings and stuff, which are temporary, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but the one thing that we're really recognizing is how I show up. Well, that can happen every single day. Every single moment. Every single moment. Thank you. Every single moment, no matter what's going on in our lives and no matter what we're actually feeling and thinking inside. So is that a practice? Sorry, you, you go. That's good news. That's good news. That's good news. The one thing that really, really matters, how we show up, how we connect to ourselves, how we connect to others in the world is the thing we've always got control it yeah it is it is in our life yeah and so is that something that you might recommend for people to do to you know to maybe write down the speech they might like at their next birthday party that's a positive spin on it or their eulogy and then really pull out the key um the key hows the key not the achievements not the goals but the key hows like the way we are and maybe kind of keep those um you know in their heart just gently as they go through their day and, and, you know, asking, we can check in with ourselves and say, am I showing up exactly. now yes. as exactly. the person I want to be? Yeah. And to keep coming back. So really good ways, you know, recognise we're not going to be living them perfectly. Our no. human doesn't allow for that. We no. will react, we will diverge. Do not judge that. But this is, this is mindfulness. Remember, it's not about staying present. It's not about staying connected. It's about noticing when we've wandered and coming back to living our values. Yeah. Yeah. This is mindfulness. This is yeah. yeah. This yeah. is what we're doing. And we do it over and, and over <laughs> and over again. And a lot of people will say, yeah, gosh, that sounds exhausting. And no, that, it's invigorating. Well, exactly. If it's it's meaningful, if it's reconnecting to, to the moment and who we are and to others, then that's only going to have goodness in that yeah. moment. Yeah. yeah. And the super cool thing is every moment's a new moment to remember. Exactly. And you exactly. and you just so it's it's not like a um, a gym regime or a, a diet regime that's kind of tiring to stick to. Exactly. Or you have to wait for, you know, I've got to, oh, I've got to sort of, you know, slog hard at this to get somewhere. Yeah. And that's actually a really good point because I talk to people a lot about values being like, you know, like a switch and the world and our humanness switches us off. Yeah. Okay. Because we're all about survival. Mind couldn't really care less about, you know, what's actually meaningful in life. Yeah. All right. And mindfulness, noticing and being consciously aware allows us to switch ourselves back on. And this is just what we're doing yeah. constantly. Is, oh, I've been switched off, switch myself back on. Yeah. That's and I guess, I guess with practice, it, you know, the, the times you're switched on might last just a fraction yeah. longer over the years. And exactly. then you flick off and then you, but then, and you'll probably become quicker and more efficient at noticing when the switch has gone off. hundred yeah. percent, yeah. So exactly. it's bringing ourselves back. Bringing ourselves back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, such a powerful technique, Kaz. Gosh, wouldn't it be wonderful if you know we were all taught this at school or something? One day, maybe. Who knows? One day, maybe. Well, thank you so much for joining me and us today. It was wonderful to learn more about ACT and just to hear the practical application of it and how mindfulness plays into ACT as a therapeutic technique and not only within the therapy room, but obviously 
in our life and how we could the practical tools you shared with us about how we can really infuse our moments with that awareness and that presence and and that compassion and connection you know I love that you used the word anchor quite a few times so it's that coming home and how awesome would it be if we lived in a world with a whole lot of people all different and varied and different interests and different personalities but with a sense of of connection to themselves which yeah. is, is is then tied to connection to other and the world. You know, the, the three are, are obviously all connected to each other, funnily <laughs> enough. <laughs> um, but you're 100% right. And this is, you know, this is where ACT is, is and I actually don't like calling it a therapy in this way because it doesn't, it actually, the change doesn't happen in the room, it happens out. And, and it is a way of being. It's just yep. an ongoing way of being. Yeah. 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 I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you Thank for you. having me. Love it as always. Thanks, Liv. Bye. Bye.